Welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Emily Harmon. I'm Gwen Douglas. And today we're talking about amphora. Clay. Clay. Clay wines. Clay. Clay is actually not a nice word to say, is no, it? No, it's not that nice. It's not a sexy yeah. word. It's not a sexy word. But makes some pretty interesting wines. Yes. What do we know about amphora? What is an amphora, I think, is the best way to start here. So I think of amphora as being a closed vessel made of clay that's then put in a situation where air doesn't come in. But I could be completely wrong. I actually yeah, don't know so much about it. Was essentially, yeah, it's a clay vessel. Um, and actually, if anybody has watched any... Um, even if you'd watch Hercules, the Disney, the <laughs> okay. Disney animation Hercules, yeah. you would have seen amphora in that. So oh, if really? you've been to any sort of ruins, um, Greco-Roman ruins, ancient Greek ruins, and you've seen these... Um, like seen a these, vase. Yes, vase-shaped containers... These were what, what, what wine was originally stored okay. in. So originally, I think this was actually um, originally developed for transport, but also for storage. So are they air-free? Like, is air not supposed to travel? They're not air-free. They're not okay. air-free. Actually, the amphora is quite a primitive vessel Vessel when it comes to winemaking. So it's just but it's very fascinating. Okay. Very, very fascinating, actually. And uh, because of that, I think it started to come back. So okay. obviously, like any... Um, any industry, technology develops and everybody sort of slowly moves forward with modern yeah. technology, modern techniques. However, what we've seen in the last 20 years, we've seen the amphora coming back okay. into winemaking. And there is a reason for that. We will get to that. Okay. Um, but historically, this is how wine was made and stored transported. and transported. Okay. Yeah. So they're little, I think um, the archaeologists call them doliums, the small ones that would be filled with wine and used to be transported. Okay, like a small, you often, like personal stuff. Yeah. And you often saw them like actually in um, in the, the bottom of boats because of the way that a boat is shaped, ah. they would store oh. perfectly there. So the whole bottom of the boat would be lined with all these oh, little doliums cool. filled with olive oil or wine yeah, or whatever. Right. So it's really... It's quite interesting when you look at it, but um, unfortunately, because of the fact that they're made from clay, they are quite fragile. fragile. So even though you're transporting them, you can't bump them. Well, they could break quite easily. Crazy. Even installing them. So now today we're seeing a lot more amphora, which are also known as um, tinajas in okay. Spain or tinaja, and uh, quevri, quevri in, yeah, in, in Georgia. Georgia. Um, they're quite. They are very fragile. One. You have to be really careful how you transport them to that place. And two, when you're installing them okay. into the ground, if you're installing them into the ground is another question. So uh, are they, they installing them into the ground or into water as a way to, like, make it that there's no oxygen? Is that part no, of the... No, it's nothing... So it's got nothing to do with so oxygen. I'm curious about this, because I've seen that some amphora is put, like, to the bottom of the ocean or people are doing it in water. And obviously that's a way to, like, stop oxygen. Would it not be? To put it underwater? So... I haven't seen any amphora going underwater. I only know this because someone told me that they bought a champagne that was like one bottle had been... But that's the bottle, not the amphora. So it had been aged, oh. one in a barrel and one in amphora and one champagne. underwater. Yeah, it was a weird... But where would they be putting that underwater? I have no idea. Okay, we'll have to research, research that off camera. I could be just making it up. I think, um, well... Anyway. The reason the reason why some amphora are buried in the ground is that the ground 
acts as a natural temperature control. I was going to say it's a temperature, okay. Yeah, so because of actually, even oh, if it's hot okay. or cold or whatever, the, the ground has a bit more of a moderating... Temp- and I guess water does too, depending on where you are. If there aren't currents going around putting in for Yeah, the difference, the difficult part with water, again, I'm not an amphora maker or somebody working right, with right. amphora, so I could never say this with 100% but what I would assume is it's quite a problematic vessel to use underwater because it can't be sealed completely because of the way that they seal amphoras are quite different so you can seal them like with wax or something so the well the way the Georgians use the quevery amphora is that they're always buried in the ground okay so you have this natural temperature control Control. you never have to pay for any temperature control it's actually a very once you've bought your amphora it's a very cheap way of making wine actually um, and this historically is how wine was originally made. So uh, somebody produces a quevery. Um, it's just also good to point out that actually the quevery now in Georgia and the production of quevery is UNESCO. Um, oh, a heritage. Yeah, it's intangible uh, cultural heritage. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. so um, now because of that, it's slowly coming back because I think Alice Firing wrote a book on uh, Georgia and also on the use of the quevery, and at that point there was only three people producing quevery in the whole of Georgia. Wow. Yeah, and equally, there's very few people producing amphora and good amphora. Wow. One amphora, like a thousand litre amphora, takes... Three weeks, ages to three weeks to produce. So you have to build it, and apparently you you sort of with the clay you build I a layer, then you add another layer, and that goes on for days. That takes around two weeks, and then you have like this big fire pit, like a kiln, You're crazy to fire it. Which yeah. yeah, to fire it. But then you have to build a wall to seal it oh in with God. the fire, totally. and it's a wood fired fire. Leave it in there for a week, then you have to break down the wall. Oh. Obviously, you wouldn't do it with just one. I'm no, sure there's more yeah, than one in there, team, but yeah. still, it's a very um, Time-consuming. Totally. Um, wow. I never actually thought about the construction of them. Yeah, it's incredible. So then and you keep one, you use it again, or that's... Yeah, it's like you use it until it's broken. having a barrel until you, like, bust it open. Yeah, I mean, they're a quivery that live for years. Oh, amazing. Like, centuries. I guess I never really thought about them being made. Yeah. Silly. You just have to keep them clean. But you have to make sure that you've secured... If you're burying them, you have to make sure you've secured them well because if yeah, there's right. movement or there's rocks nearby, yeah. then you... Then you uh, run the risk you, of cracking and Yeah, breaking. and then if you fill it, you've oh lost all that gosh. wine. So, what a nightmare. You know, a thousand litres of wine is a lot. It'd <laughs> be awful. Yes. So then, but essentially, so uh, this is really the very uh, fundamental, How quite basic way of producing wine. So you would... We'll get to that. Oh, but you like, would... You, so you've got this buried in the ground. So like, say if we were here, you just see like a, a ring. Like a hole. A hole, exactly. Yes, a hole is more apt. <laughs> Not a ring. Uh, the hole would be there and uh, the wine would get filled in. Usually whole cluster or okay. whole grapes going in. Whether it's white grapes or red grapes, everything gets chucked in. Okay. Um, then it's left, like fermentation happens or whatever. After fermentation, it's then sealed Okay. over winter so uh, they would do this by either putting another clay lid on the top mm-hmm. or a piece of glass and sealing it with mastic okay like mastic gum yeah. so that would like keep make it, it airtight yeah and then leaving it over winter and then not touching it reopening one up okay. but yeah so it's quite quite interesting and actually when you go to georgia you see people doing this on their property that in their garden in their garage sort of thing so it's it's a it's a very very different world um and uh, very pre- and what's wonderful about it is you're seeing preserved history 
without oh, cool. any influence of modern technology. Amazing. And I think the way you can clean it is a number of different ways. So I think you clean it slightly differently depending when you're using the amphora. So if you're using it before fermentation or whatever, I think there are some people that's, that burn sulphur. Yeah, it's But there are also people like... that I think they use, um, it's like cherry, like a cherry wood brush to clean it. Um, lime yeah, and there'd be and some sort things. of natural yeah. things that would like yes. be natural into and you can seal them inside with yeah. different bees like I think yeah, yeah. wax and, and different things so there's there's that maintaining your quivery that way removing the wine is very primitive so basically when you go to some of these places like in Georgia well it's not even that <laughs> okay. so if you imagine like a a large wooden spoon or like a, a wooden stick with really? like a bucket on it that's it. Just, just yeah, scooping they're just it out. scooping it just out. Just like a label. Scooping it out by hand. Oh, wow. That's yeah. time-consuming and... Yeah, it's all done by hand. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I was like, like, is it going to be some sort of... But they do, like, because of actually what's quite interesting is actually not all of the Georgian wines that you taste, even though they're unfined, yeah. they're not filtered, and is there uh, a natural skin contact, of... they naturally yeah, settle, settle all the grapes, bring it down, Amazing. so then you clear off quite clear juice, actually, so it's, it's quite like interesting. It's like making a... Clear broth. Yeah. You're just scooping off the top. Yeah, totally. And just yeah. leaving whatever's left on the yeah. bottom. Mm, interesting. So whether you bury it or not, in Spain um, and in Italy, you see quite a bit of amphora. Not everybody buries them. So this sort of trend going back to um, amphora uh, and quevery actually started around 20 years ago. Um, quite an eccentric um, natural wine producer don't even know if I want to say natural wine producer, but very eccentric, iconic Italian wine okay. producer called Josco Gravner. Ah, went yes. to Georgia, saw what they were doing and started ordering quevery. And I think it, this is why I talked about the fragility of quevery, okay. because actually when when he was travelling back and, and the wines were, uh, the quevery were being sent over, I think something like 50% of them got wow. broken, which is a huge expense. It's funny because you can get some good Gravner... You can get the Gravner around the corner here at a very nice little Italian place. Hmm. You'll have to tell me the name of that place. And, uh, <laughs> you don't want to tell yeah. me about it. <laughs> yes. Off camera. And, um, yeah, so, so he started producing skin contact wine, long skin contact, yeah. um, in Amphora, I mean, made the Georgian way so with good. local grape varieties. So he, like, yeah. now he's just focusing just on um, Robolo, the... His daughter Marta is now much more involved in the production, but really, uh, Gravner was was the catalyst for the for trend kicking back oh, off because a lot cool. of people followed suit. However, there are still pockets of Europe where the the amphora to do, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was in Segovia last year in central Spain, north of Madrid, visiting a producer called Ismael Gonzalo who works with Tinajas, Spanish okay. Tinajas. And that area has always used tinner house. Right, so it's just a historical... And people would come locally, they would fill up, like, the, whatever whatever vessel they had from home, they would bring them, fill them up from the tinner house, and the, but they weren't doing long ageing, they would yeah. just have the tinner house run just, off the fluid, right. fill up people's vessels, and it would be empty for the next time they fill it. So Amazing. a lot of clay, clay around there, a lot of local yeah, people producing cool. it. And actually the uh, amphora that Foradori use yes. uh, comes from Spain. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's comes cool. from Spain. So the Tanajas, uh, Rafael Bernabe, yeah. or Bernabe Navarro, they were making wines in Tanajas oh, and cool. stuff. So, yeah, it's I'm ready to chase some. Yeah, sorry, I've just completely know, machine like, gunned you. Like, Give me a break! <laughs> no, I'm really excited because we have a white and a red, which is yes. cool. And since I don't know that much about Amphora, but I do know the wine that you've brought. Yes, we've had it before. 
And I was lucky. We were lucky enough. I was. You've known them for years, but I was lucky enough last year to have a nice chat with John yes. and Ramaz and yes. Shotta, who are all working with Quivery. Yes, super nice gentlemen. Yeah. Good drinkers and uh, make lovely wines. So I'm excited to try this one again. Or I don't Thank know you. if I've had this one. So this is the oh, 2012 Mitsubani yes. uh, from Pleasant's Tears. So. Um, Georgia has a little special place in my heart and particularly the wines from John um, because actually I've learned so much about Georgian wine through John. He's such a good spokesman um, for Georgia. He's such a charismatic fella and, yeah, he's a nice energy about him. Oh, my God. To use the bloody (laughs) type opener. Thankfully, it's a... Thankfully, I don't have to deal with a capsule today. I know, that's why I passed it to you. Oh, that's a good trick, actually, what Gwen's doing. I think that's good to know is that you can always rub the wax. <laughs> rub it to make it like easier. I know. Insert it's really, some yeah. weird and it's a red wax. Yeah. It's really awkward. But it's a good way to try and warm up the wax a little bit so that you don't end up with like little bits everywhere. It's a different technique. I've not seen that technique before. <laughs> Sorry. I just sort of get all the edges. <laughs> it's a bit Such mean. A it's a bit mean to make me use this bloody opener every time. I know. Time. You can, yeah. Gwen has to use the, the opener every time she that. uses the word divestramina, but the wax is very perfectly removed. Yeah. Hum with no wax bits. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. My technique works. Look at this pretty color. Beautiful. Gorgeous. So Mitzvani is the name of the grape variety. So like pretty much every single wine that comes from Georgia, made with an indigenous grape variety that almost nobody can pronounce, but Mitzvani. 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 Uh, And this is coming from Kaheti. (laughs) Equally challenging if you're not familiar with the name. But Kaheti... um, we're about an hour or so outside of um, Tbilisi and this is the really this eastern part of Georgia where it's the tradition of skin contact wine where it's a bit warmer still remains skin contact wine obviously in Quivery as well so in Amphora I want to know how you describe the smell of this one smoky yeah smoky stone fruit I get a lot of apricot a lot of peach Mm -hmm. slightly exotic though almost pineapple I can see the pineapple a bit I think it's a tough so one it's for like me. It's like tinned first... pineapple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just something sort of tinny, but it's... I think sometimes the Georgian ones I struggle with on the nose because of the smoke. I think the mm. way smoke is taken in is always a bit different. But it... Yeah. Definitely like drinking these. Smoke, and then there's almost like this like crushed, um, like almost like mm. flower, pe- like petal, like I don't know... I do feel like it tastes Floral smokier edge. to me than it smells. But maybe that's just me. But it's definitely, it's quite exotic. You get touches oh, of honey. This almost floral edge to the wine as well. I and think also because there's a lot of acidity that yeah. also like... Yeah. Hmm. I mean, also, was it last year or two years ago that you did the the Supra at Michelberger? Last year. Was it last year? Was it the year before? Yeah, because we did the podcast recording with them after. No, so the year we did before, the big Supra. Oh, no, but we did two. So we did one wow. last year and one okay. the year before that. I went that. to the one the year before. Yeah. 
And actually, I think that was the a really great thing for me, understanding these wines more is eating mm. it with the food that they eat. Yeah. And by the time this podcast goes live, I will have been to Georgia again. Okay. But unfortunately, that won't inform this podcast. But, yeah. It's interesting because mm. actually it says on the back, like, a note of this particular varietal is white rose. And I actually, when that's pointed out to me, mm. you can, I can mm-hmm. see that. Totally. So white rose on the borderline of musk. Yes. It's a really interesting, like, it's a really interesting one. It's definitely one of those that makes you keep going back. because but again, obviously an aromatic, um, like yeah. we did aromatics already with skins. It's obviously an aromatic grape variety with some skin contact. Um, the smokiness is really fun. But I love the acidity in this one. Yeah, it's super hot. I mean, look at the legs on this bad boy too. It's like... So you asked before, we haven't talked about this, but you asked before about... Um, Okay, use an amphora, it doesn't breathe. It does breathe. So yeah, why would we ask, use yeah. an amphora other than the, the romantic story of it being a bit of preserved right. history? So the reasons why we would use amphora are um, that the wine does breathe a little bit. but a lot it depends on the clay because yeah. it is porous. Clay is so, porous. So clay breathes less than oak, but obviously more than stainless steel. Right. So it's an in-betweener. Yes. Um, so that's one of the reasons is that actually you have a little bit of this development coming from this like little bit Oxidizing, of interaction with, right. with oxygen. oxygen. Yeah. And I did write down a few facts about that. So um, 250 litre amphora breathes or the evaporation rate is the same as a 1,500 litre vat. Of stainless steel? Yeah. And then a 2,000, yeah, 2,000 litre vat to 3000 litre vat has the same evaporation rate as a 400 litre amphora so it's a much lower lower, yeah yeah and a 100 litre amphora is the same as a barrique but i guess it's kind of nice because you do get to then get that little bit of development from the oxygen without having to worry about it happening too quickly or things changing too much so you can control it maybe a bit better yeah so it breathes it breathes but what the reason why slower and Slower, Lower. yeah. Well, it one, it breathes, so um, the wine can develop. Two, um, the interesting and fascinating part about the amphora is that it doesn't impart any flavour. Flavour, right. So you get the best of both worlds, where you get the best of no flavour like stainless steel, but a little oxygen like Yeah, oak. it doesn't impart flavour, and it doesn't impart colour either. So the colour doesn't change of the wine. Is there another method that would give you the same results? We can use concrete as well, but... Concrete doesn't breathe as well. No, I think concrete is quite dense. I think. Yeah, um, I think the the thing as well with the amphora that a lot of people talk about is also the shape that there's like this sort of roundness and mo- like it's an organic yeah, shape, shape as well. That's so that's something that's discussed. That I don't know enough about. Oh, I'd be curious. But that's something. That, uh, yeah, that is something that's interesting to look into. And everybody says it doesn't impart flavour, and I would challenge that slightly because I do know that there are some wines that I feel like. I can taste that they've been in amphora. The type and of I can, clay. Yeah. yeah. And it also depends if the amphora is clean because there are different yeah, faults right. that come with totally. an amphora. So that's also the downside. That if you're not maintaining your amphora, there are bacteria that can be present. But then I would also argue that depending on whether you bear it in earth or not or what kind of earth you're burying it in, it also has density and an air movement that's going to be lower and slower or higher depending on how packed the earth mm. is what the earth life is in that area, what kind of water is going on in that yeah. area. I think there are lots of things that could, like variables that could change. There is that, and there is the bacterial element. If I think totally. if you're being not so clean, there have been some wines that I've tasted. So I've tasted yeah, quite a lot of wine. What would be the salt on this? 
so I spoke to John about this, John uh, Werdemann from, uh, I don't know if I'm saying it in a German way, John Werdemann <laughs> from Pheasant's Tears. Uh, We're conditioned. <laughs> but, um, but, and I talked to him about it because I said, well, sometimes I see this fault in, in yes. amphora wine and it's not that they're corked because, of course, the wines do have cork, but it's the, the aroma and the flavour is very similar to cork taint. Okay. But almost has this seaweed kombu edge oh, in terms of flavour, which is very odd. So I said to him, I was like, why am I smelling these wines that initially people think they're corked, but I know they're not corked but it's not... because there are particular wines yeah. where it's in every single bottle. It's just not yeah, possible right. that they're all corked. Yes. And the, so then and it's a production. It's seaweedy. Cor- yeah. So that's down to, he said there's something, um, he said it's the a wet bacteria muffa, and it's some kind yeah. of almost like a reduction that sometimes blows off. Mm-hmm. I'm not always convinced by that, but it is something that's present. That's and I think it's with, un, when you're not maintaining your quivery. I'm going to call it way. damp. I'm going to call it damp. Because if it's buried yeah. underground and it's wet, it's going to be some sort of damp bacteria. Fungus. I think it's, it's, I think it's another, yeah, yeah I totally think it's a fungus. It's, yeah, Because yeah. um, TCA anyway is totally. that. So it's, I think it's In the same somewhere. family. Yeah. So I don't know enough about that, but I think that that's something that's on my little research so actually, if someone list. knows some stuff about that, we'd love to hear about it. I would absolutely die to hear yes. stuff about that. So yeah. I would love to know. Yeah. But yeah. But this one doesn't have that, which is really no, nice. really nice. It's also lovely to try wine, actually, that's got seven years of age. Yeah. But all of this fruit... It's so fresh and... Lively. I could kind of imagine you wearing a perfume like this. Totally. Peachy, apricot, slightly exotic, white it's rose, smoky, and smoky. And a bit masculine. It's like a good yin and yang. Yeah. There's a bit of everything going on. I also would love to... The more I go back, the more of this floral character that comes out. But every mm. time I try Mitzvani, it always reminds me of like tin peaches, tin apricots, <laughs> tin pineapple. Just like but don't you think the fruit floral thing works? Slightly musky body yeah. shop. Because I also think of White like, mask. <laughs> like a hayfield, you know? There is a little bit of that like yeah, that's florally nice. hayfield yeah. like yeah. kind of thing about it. it. Smells really nice. The end of summer. Exactly. Mm. It totally has that like lazy autumn day. Oh, very nice. So what is tradi- I mean, I'm trying to recall what we ate. Like what I want to eat with this is like barley. I want to eat like a beef and barley soup with this. What's that Chinese soup? Not koji, congee. Congee, yeah, like a, like a big hearty soup. Yeah, that'd be amazing with the meat. I think a beef barley like pub soup would be yeah. great with this. Something I think barley-ish, like there's something sort of this, grainish like, I think about it. game. Yeah, totally. Pigeon. Yes, oh this my god, amazing like a raw pigeon. pigeon. But I also think that hay and pigeon work really Maybe well together. Maybe not a raw pigeon. No, but I like the really like pink. A, yeah, yeah. Whenever I eat pigeon out, it's always like really... Pink. And in the last few times I've had it, it's like hay smoked, infused, or whatever. This would be phenomenal with it. Yeah, pigeon, game birds, chicken hearts. That's a great idea. A little bit of waffle. Duck hearts. Mm. Even like calf's liver. I'm not into liver. For the vegetarians out there, get on the barley. For the meat eaters, liver. Yeah, there's something really like earthy about this. You want to eat something that's like of the earth and like down and dirty. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Very nice. Mm. It could only be Georgia. I know it's pretty special. I also think um, maybe even like hard cheeses. <coughs> Pecorino, those like yeah, maybe yeah. Italian cheeses yeah. would be really good with this. Not blue, but like 
Imagine harder like to slightly soft or even wash rind, possibly, but not too Granny funky. Smith apple with like big yeah. chunks of hard pecorino on top of yeah, like that would be really parmesan. nice. Sheep, even sheep, yeah, sheep like oh, sheep's yeah. milk cheeses, it's a little a, bit it's, funky. I think because it's got enough character that it can get away with yeah. pairing with things that have. And John always character. said to me as well with these wines, think about like onion and garlic, which are almost impossible to, to pair, pair with usually. With, yeah. These are these are robust enough that totally. actually they you can, could put raw garlic with this and it would be fine because yeah. raw garlic is a hard sell. For there's a lot quite of a lot of garlic in Georgian food. Yeah. And lots of floral elements, like a lot of the herbs they were bringing or spices were sort of dried flowers and yeah. that ha- that hay sort of texture with like yeah, wildflowers that are dried down and used as spices. Mm. Mm, but it's interesting, isn't it? All those tannins and then this kind of smooth round texture that you see in the wine. It's really different yeah. to a wine that's been in wood. Totally. Oh, I really like... I, every time I have this, and you know, it's not something I buy for myself that often, but whenever I have it, I'm always, yeah, interested it definitely like make, makes you keep going back. It's going to be a hard so, act to follow, actually, because that was pretty delicious. I mean, don't play it down. Let's see hey, what it got. I haven't had this I one do before. wonder if we've done it the right way around. The right way around. Because Sorry, I don't know. I haven't tried this before. one before. And I was at Passion Vin, and I asked about what Enfora wines they had. And this was the suggestion. And I liked the label. And since <laughs> I'm a sucker for a nice label, I went with it. So let's see, Mephisto. So Mephisto from um, Domaine de la Cou. So this is coming from the Loire Valley. I mean, I like the colour. Oh, it smells good. What's the vintage? I'm assuming, is that the Cuvée NM? Is that the vintage? You're going to make me make some sort of... 2015? Yeah. I don't know what I got. I was like, no, don't make me do maths. Just, yeah. <laughs> Give me Roman numerals. I've got us covered. I should know what the fuck is going <laughs> on. Actually, Roman numerals. that should be... Yes, I was going to say. Oh, it does smell quite good. It's, oh, it's very meaty, actually. Meaty. Oh, I was wow. going to say that earthy, but like now this paprika, red pepper thing is coming it's out. It's my mouth water, actually. Oh, like Hungarian, like paprika, totally. Like a oh, smoked... Oh, do you know what? Yum. Think about your favourite pizza. Yeah. Induya. Induya. Almost chorizo, like it's this but smoky, goulash meaty, this spicy, so pe- paprika. Mm, goulash. You and your fucking goulash. Mm. Goulash, ratatouille, it's like anything with some kind of tomato element. You're Basically just... anything right out of the 1970s, bring it on. I'm ready. And actually it tastes so much lighter. It's a very easy drinker. We should have done it the other way around. We should have. Lessons in life. But maybe it's how a, lovely are those tannins? It's oh, so, it's so fine nice. and supple. This is actually very nice. Mm. Oh, I'm a big fan of that wine. Mm. I love this little like meaty. It's very soft and, yes, so delicate. and delicate, and but intricate at the same time. Mm. That's very nice. Oh, I like a nice surprise because I'm always willing to try stuff at wine shops. You know that I go yeah. in and I ask for advice. And I love to get dealer's choice on stuff. And sometimes it's a hit, but sometimes... I'm going to be honest. It's more... I would say that I have more misses than I have hits if I let someone decide. Because, of course, like everyone's taste is going to be different. But I really love trying everything because then sometimes you get pointed in a new direction. And yeah. it's good to try new things. So this is a great pick. I, really, I love that it's got this um, tomato-y... Again... Mm. This tomato, almost tomato stem, borderline mm. ketchup, dried ketchup, it's almost really nice. no. 
where it's like a little bit spicy at the same time. Paprika, mm, nice. it's got this sort of red pepper note, but it's, it's now the more that's in the glass, a little bit more lifted, the fruit's yeah. starting to come through, but classic Cabernet Franc, I think. And I did say to her when she said Five it was Cabernet Franc. Franc, I did say that I love a Cabernet Franc. I, I love, love a little kid. Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> I like to hang with Frankie. I love to hang with Frank, and I think that this is... I definitely... Yeah. He's not staring me wrong right now. So this apparently, though, is a mixture of amphora and a little bit of old barrel as well. Ah, so it's... Ah, oh, I didn't know that it was a mix. Someone did their fucking homework before they showed up today. Not me. <laughs> someone did their... Someone did your someone did homework. homework. Yeah. I can so imagine nice. you at school just like... Mm, that wasn't I need me. The math to, I know, you I totally wouldn't. Student. I was the best student. Well... Could how, did you I end up, how did I end up a tattoo? We don't know about. Well, this is why Gwen's going to be using this <laughs> bottle opener for the next five episodes. The tag opener forever. Every time she doesn't do her homework, she is disciplined by So I'm going to get really good at using that shitty opener by the end of the season. <laughs> no! You're going to get really good at doing your homework. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So, but so what, 15 months in a okay. mixture of amphora and old oak. And so then how did it mix They're just like putting half of it in amphora and half of it I don't know if it's half half. just a bit Because I didn't some. do it so depth. In yeah, depth, because it uh, gave me very little, little, uh, but I guess you notice want... period was so tiny. But... So I'm guessing that they would do that because they want to have some of the oakiness and the vanillin, 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 or whatever flavor they're getting from oak. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say like <laughs> vanilla flavor. Sounds of vanilla. Yeah. Vanillin. Vanillin. Yeah, but I don't think this has any vanillin. No, well, they're trying to... <laughs> Why are we it? saying... I don't like, know. Like, eight times in one episode, like... <laughs> Are they trying to get... I guess they they want some of what's happening in the oak and then some of what's happening in Amphora. Obviously, they wouldn't or do it Or maybe... I mean, this sounds a bit cynical. It could be that they only it's have a limited amount of Amphora and they decide Fair to do mixture. Or it could be that, hey, we want a little bit more of um, oxygenation by this vessel. Right. So they wanted a mixture just to add some yeah, complexity. Because totally. I can see, see that how the like, wines change. Right. Maybe originally they were going to make two separate wines, but then they then thought they, they thought, tasted better blended. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. I honestly wouldn't know the correct answer without speaking but to But there are many maker. answers but yeah. possible, which I think is interesting enough. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The many reasons why you would do this. But again, what you see with this amphora, this, the texture of the wine is slightly different. Again, it's got this kind of like fine sort of smooth yeah. edge. Totally. It's almost like someone sort of airbrushed. Yes, totally. The edges there of is the like wine. It's very soft in yeah. your mouth. It's very nice. Mmm. It might be just that I'm hungry, but I really want to eat pigeon. I'm not into it. Pigeon, game was, birds. Yeah, game birds. This would also be really nice because it's got almost a bloody totally. quality to it. But these are actually very interesting examples. And I think actually nice ends of the spectrum bookends because I think that where the pheasant's tears is, it's so exceptional in its taste and it's so different. This is also very beautiful, but it's very subtle in the ways that maybe Pheasant's Tears isn't. Well, Pheasant's Tears is full-blown orange as well. Probably longer skin contact. Much more structured and more sort of savoury. A little bit more challenging. I think it's a nice um, look at both ways that you can do this. This is also a wine you could give to people and they... They wouldn't even notice. No, they wouldn't notice. They might just think... But it's very nice. They're both very nice. Oh, no. Let's calm down. (laughs) Oh, my 
my god, I'm being, <laughs> it's being placed in front of me. So I actually don't. I feel like you should get a. I should get you a little brooch. Maybe I'll just like pin it to me. A brooch that says, "I'm wearing this because I like." I'll make a shirt. But I don't think for make now, it, don't make a shirt based on that. That's a waste of time. <laughs> no one's buying that no. shirt. You're the only person wearing that shirt. Probably. You, you could just, just wear fine. it every time we record. It'll just be my. It'll be my uniform. <laughs> yes. But I think yes. that is there something that we should add in closing because I don't know. I mean, I think that there's like making things in Amphora. It's you know, even though it's a special way of making something or it's different to the norm. I'm not necessarily sure. Is it something that you can pick out? Like if you're tasting a wine, you know, whereas you can taste like new oak or old oak or mm. French oak or American oak. Mm. Is this something that when you're tasting a wine, you're like, that's amphora? I think it's difficult. Um, I think it would be quite difficult to do that early doors if you weren't right. familiar. Um, I think I would be... I think you could if you are working in wine, you're tasting a lot of wine or wine right. is really your passion. I think it gets a bit too geeky and a little bit more complicated right. to do that. However, as we've seen in these wines, and the point I tried to make before is this sort of this Roundness smooth, and softness. softer texture, the way that you feel the tannins is slightly different. Right. The only way for you to learn and see where that's coming from is, is to, to try. try. Yeah. So to try, you know, there are some producers that make wines in stainless steel, in amphora, yeah. and then in barrel. Like, it would be then interesting to right. try them side by so side. So this is what I was going to yeah. say. Like, my friends that like try... The difference between... The difference between... Something. But the difference between drinking Radicon yeah. and Gravna is absolutely huge. And right. one, okay, it comes down to the vineyards. Two, it comes down to winemaking. But Gravna's using Amphora, Quevery, uh, and uh, Radicon's using large oak. And you feel it. The shape of Common. the tannins is different. The style of the wine's different. And that's not just down to the winemaking, right. that's also down to the vessel. So, let's do it. So, otherwise, we'd like to hear, are there wines that you love that after this episode or before this episode, you knew they were made in Amphora and you think that there's something special about them? Or wines that you think we should taste? Um, is there a plate? I don't know. What is? What do you know about Amphora? I want to know, because I don't know much. She knows clearly a lot more. And otherwise... Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at juice.podcast. On Twitter at juice underscore podcast. You can find us online at juice.show where you can get a beautiful tote bag as pictured here in the video. And uh, yeah, you should check out our YouTube channel because we've switched over to the visual. We are. So you can see our faces. You can see us. You can see how ridiculous we are. You can see are. all of the frowns. <laughs> and you can all see the, the nuances. Inference. Yeah, all the... Yes. Nuances is a nice way to yes. put it, Gwen. Nuanced. Yes. We're now nuanced. Nuanced. Yeah. Streaming live on YouTube. Not live. Yes. Cheers. So, uh, oh, one last thing. If you are tuning in and continuing to tune in, please subscribe. Yes. If you haven't already, Apple, we would love either. you to subscribe. Even to Spotify. the YouTube travel, travel channel. I've had too much <laughs> wine. Um, but we would love to stay connected. Cheers. Until next week. <laughs>